Welcome to the Sweat Elite Podcast. Thanks for tuning into this podcast episode. I'm Matt, founder and podcast host at Sweat Elite. We're doing something a little different this week in not conducting an interview, but rather reading aloud three of our favorite and recently most popular articles on the Sweat Elite website. We plan to continue doing this on the podcast moving forward, maybe every fourth or fifth episode. Anyone can read up to three articles in any given month on the Sweat Elite website until prompted to subscribe. If you enjoy these articles read aloud today, or you've been enjoying Sweat Elite articles in the past, we hope you'll consider subscribing to Sweat Elite for just a dollar a week. You can find the link in the show notes of your podcast player to learn more. My colleague Tate Herps and I recently ventured to Japan to study the elite running scene. We'd always known Japan was a leading nation in elite distance running, but it wasn't really until late 2018, around early 2019, that we learned just how deep the talent there really was when we dived into some of the Japanese university race results that saw men running 106 for the half marathon and not even placing in the top 200. After Kenya and Ethiopia, two running scenes we had extensively studied and written about already, Japan ranks third if you measure by numbers of athletes running under elite benchmarks such as 212 for the men's marathon, or 110 for the women's half marathon. Although our stay in Japan was cut short due to the COVID-19 pandemic, we learned so much about what makes Japan such a strong distance running nation. All the articles read aloud today on the podcast were written by my colleague Tate Herps. The first article read aloud is titled The Perplexing Depth of Talent in Japanese Running Part 1, and it'll transition straight into Part 2. These articles are basically all about what we learned in Japan. The third article, titled Training with Tokai University, Ekiden Winning Team, is all about our experience in joining Tokai University for a training session one afternoon in late February. The Perplexing Depth of Talent in Japanese Running, Part 1 Japan, Nihon, the land of the rising sun, a country globally renowned for many things, a rich cultural history, a cuisine like no other, the world's largest metropolis, Tokyo, and running? Japan is not one of the nations that first comes to mind when most people think about the global running scene. However, in the marathon distance, Japan comes in third place behind Kenya and Ethiopia when looking at the number of athletes in the top 1,000 marathon times in history. Japan has over 100 athletes that have run sub-210 in the marathon. Compare this to the USA, with a population nearing triple that of Japan, and massive infrastructure surrounding their collegiate athletic system, the states have only 20 athletes that have run sub-210 for the marathon. 13, if you exclude record-ineligible Boston. Our interest peaked. We decided to plunge headfirst into the Japanese running scene and investigate what was going on. Tokyo Marathon 2020. Our arrival coincided with the cancellation of the mass participation in the Tokyo Marathon due to the novel coronavirus, COVID-19 outbreak, and the global pandemonium the pathogen had created. Nonetheless, the elite category of the race was still run, and despite beseeching pleas from local authorities to stay away from the course, a large turnout of local spectators lined the streets to cheer on the athletes. Running is hugely popular here. The top runners were clearly well known to the onlookers. Many of the top runners receiving a hero's welcome, especially Suguru Osako, who solidified his place on the Olympic team by breaking his own national record, finishing in 2.05.29, collecting a 100 million yen bonus for his work. This on our first weekend in the country, the Tokyo Marathon was a perfect introduction to, and exhibition of, the kind of running we had come here to learn about. Ethiopian Bahane Legese, 
I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, defended his title in 204.15, but the day belonged to the local athletes. Four of the top 10 athletes were Japanese. There were 19 Japanese males under 210 and a further 29 under 215. No other majors have such significant homegrown depth. Compare the 48 athletes, Japanese athletes, below 215 to the six Americans clearing the same hurdle at Boston last year. You might be thinking, the US have New York and Chicago to spread out their talent. No wonder Boston doesn't have so many athletes under 215. But what is even more surprising than so many local athletes running so well in the marquee event in Japan is that there is a huge number of lesser-known local races that see solid turnouts of elite Japanese runners. Races such as the Lake Biwa Marathon, which has a qualifying time of 2.30, and Fukuoka International Marathon regularly have large numbers of local runners posting impressive times. And then there's Ekiden. A rich history. The state of long-distance running in Japan was somewhat perplexing to us. The Japanese tend to lack the ectomorphic physique and loping stride of the East Africans that dominate the sport. They have a number of high-level sprinters, however, relative to the long-distance prowess demonstrated over the past decades, there is a lack of depth in shorter distances. Why is this? We learnt a lot during our stay that goes a long way to explaining this depth of talent. In 1912, Japan sent only two athletes to compete at the Stockholm Olympics. Shizu Kanakuri was one of them, set to compete in the marathon. Worn out from the 18-day voyage to Sweden, Kanakuri succumbed to the unexpectedly hot conditions on race day. He lost consciousness and failed to complete the distance. Embarrassed and in an attempt to save face, Kanakuri silently left for Japan without notifying race officials. Astonishingly, Swedish authorities considered him missing for 50 years before discovering that he was living in Japan and had competed in subsequent Olympic marathons. In Japan, Shizu Kanakuri is known as the father of the marathon. After his return to Japan, Kanakuri played an instrumental role in establishing the Hakone Ekiden in 1920. Contested by the top universities in the Kanto region surrounding Tokyo, this race is one of the reasons for running's huge popularity in the country. The original Ekiden, the term used to describe these long-distance relays, was run in 1917, celebrating the 50th anniversary of Tokyo's status as the nation's capital. Over three days, runners traversed 508 kilometers from the old Japanese capital of Kyoto to the modern capital, Tokyo. Three years later, Hakone Ekiden was established, with Kanakuri trying to create a means for Japan to produce runners who could be competitive on the world stage. Kanakuri's vision eventually came to fruition. Japan has been right up the top of long distance running for a long time. They dominated the road scene in the 50s and 60s. In 1965, Japanese men ran 10 of the 11 fastest marathon times for the year. The next year, they ran 15 of the top 17. This kind of reign over the roads is comparable to what we have seen with the Kenyans in the last few years. Ekiden, Aspiration, Fervor Ekiden is unique to Japan and its popularity has remained consistently high for many decades now. The standard quip is that it's the Japanese equivalent of the Super Bowl. From what we gathered from our time there and our research around the trip, that seems to be an apt comparison. It's the biggest televised sporting event in the country. Viewership rates of the Hakone Ekiden are as high as 30%. The event captivates the nation over the New Year holiday period. Adrahan Finn is the author of the acclaimed books Running with the Kenyans and The Way of the Runner. The later focuses on the running-obsessed culture of Japan 
and what contributes to their success. When asked about Hakoni Ekaden, he said, Everybody's talking about it. It's unavoidable. It's just everywhere. You'd have to be living in a cave not to know what was going on. We delved into the topic of Ekaden with Noriaki Nishide, assistant coach of the 2019 Hakoni Ekaden champions, Tokai University. He said the popularity of the Ekaden was in part due to the dramatic performances of the athletes. They leave absolutely everything out on the roads, and it's not uncommon for relatively unknown athletes to come out and run enormous personal bests, beating much more accomplished runners in the process. Everybody loves an underdog. The variation between segments of the relay also makes for exciting viewing, with athletes being chosen for a given leg due to their prowess on the type of gradient seen on that portion of the course. Finn concurred on this point. You can tell they're performing out of their skin, he said. He recounts a race he watched where half of the athletes passed the 10km mark of the 22km leg inside their 10km personal best. They're already running way beyond themselves. This drama unfolds over two full days. Comparisons are drawn between the way most Japanese watch the event to the way cricket is viewed over the English summer with viewers tuning in and out over the course of the event to receive updates on the progress of the runners. Coach Nishide, along with many others that we spoke to, puts a lot of the Japanese success down to Ekaden. Through an exchange after we had left the country, he summarised a question about the factors contributing to Japanese depth at the elite level as follows. Nishide said, Ekaden is helping to expand the Japanese long-distance athletes' base. Ekaden meets start in Japan with junior high school students. They aim for the high school Ekaden meet in Kyoto, and high school students aim for the Hakone Ekaden to create many long-distance athletes. Tunnel vision. When asked about what else sets the Japanese athletes apart from international competition, in brackets, he has undertaken many trips overseas with his athletes for training camps and races, close brackets, Nishide elaborated on what could be viewed as a downfall of many Japanese athletes, or at least a factor that contributes to the relative paucity of Japanese results in shorter distances. Nishide said, Ekaden requires the ability to run at a constant pace. In Hakoni Ekaden, the power to maintain 250 to 255 per kilometre is required. That's around 435 to 440 per mile. For this reason, he says, a lot of Japanese runners struggle with more tactical races that see rapid change of pace, such as those on the track. He said, I think that many Japanese runners tend to seek time rather than ranking, but what I feel about taking runners to overseas races is that overseas athletes are running to win. I don't think there are many Japanese teams that train the last kick needed to win. Finn has related similar information. When asked about what was obstructing the Japanese from competing at the level seen by some of the East Africans, he said the insular nation of a lot of their competition was a potential downfall. In essence, they've got the raw materials and the system, but the Japanese don't care as much about international competition as everybody else. These competitions in Japan are so big, they're so popular, that they care more about those than winning big international marathons. And that's not necessarily criticism. There's not necessarily anything wrong with that. I was just kind of taking this perspective, answering this question of why they're not running as fast as perhaps they could be, Finn said. However, Brett Lana of Japan Running News suggests this is an outdated view, and that recent performances suggest that times may have changed. 
In 2018, four of the six Abbott World Marathon majors had top Japanese men who finished second in Tokyo, first in Boston, third in Chicago, and fourth in Berlin, behind Kipchoge's world record. Other Japanese wins in major overseas races since then since then include the 2018 Jakarta Asian Games, the 2019 Gold Coast Marathon, gold label, and the 2020 Houston Half Marathon, also a gold label. In the historical and cultural context detailed here and the prominence of the Ekiden, it is no wonder that there is such depth at the top level in Japan. Athletes are trained in a way that focuses on the requirements of the Ekiden, with the relay legs generally being distances around the half marathon, this means that students are aiming for longer distances from a relatively younger age than their international counterparts, and their transition to the marathon distance often comes earlier as well. Miles. Lots of miles. This focus on long distance from such a young age comes with a high toll for some athletes. Renowned for high volume training with lots of easy miles and a high proportion of running on asphalt, Injuries are common. When we observed a session at Tokai University in Tanagawa Prefecture, there were a number of athletes completing rehab exercises in attire that clearly indicated they weren't running the session. Coach Noriaki swept his hand across the group as we approached. Injured. The Japanese surface is road. It's tough on the athletes. Many injuries, he said. In the same exchange, I asked whether they have a long period each year where they take a break from training. Noriaki immediately replies with a drawn-out, Ah, no, and a big chuckle. All season, head coach Hayashi Morizumi interjects. Nothing off, no rest, Noriaki concludes. The men both seem to find the question to be quite funny. Speaking to Brett Lana, this was corroborated. Brett said, The racing calendar is quite a bit busier than most other places. There's no real off-season here. He also spoke about the structure being quite top-down. With deference to elders and a strict sense of hierarchy, communication can be somewhat unidirectional with more junior coaches and athletes having less input into what they are doing than might be seen in the West. Despite this stereotype of massive mileage, there exists a subset of younger coaches that are moving away from this traditional model. Yuta Shitara who placed second in the 2018 Tokyo Marathon and set a new national record at the time of 2.06.11, subsequently appeared on television with his coach, who said that the high-mileage approach is old-fashioned. Shitara said he never runs over 35 kilometres. He does a lot of quality work and always does a 25-30km to 30 km tempo run three days before a marathon, another tactic that breaks the mould. Okay, that's the end of the first part of the perplexing depth of talent in Japanese running article. Now I'll move on to part two. The perplexing depth of talent in Japanese running, part two. A system to support the elites. Discipline, honour, self-restraint. These are some of the stereotypical character traits people think of when considering Japan. However, devotion to athletics and a motivation to succeed are not enough in isolation, to explain how so many athletes are competing at such a high level in Japan. Ekiden and the elevated position it holds in the collective conscience of the nation explains a bit more of the situation. However, a final factor that we found came up over and over was the integral role of corporations in the fabric of Japanese running culture. I'm not talking about Mizuno, Asics and Nike. Many corporations within Japan, Honda, 
Japan Rail, Kanebo Cosmetics, employ athletes to race and train in-house. The living expenses of the athletes are taken care of, food is cooked by in-house chefs that prepare a menu laboriously agonised over by a nutritionist. Training takes place multiple times per day. Some runners in the corporate system reportedly average more than 600 miles 965 kilometers per month. And around these sessions, the athletes spend time with the team's physiotherapists, strength coaches, and masseurs. In addition to such extensive support from the team, living expenses being covered, and daily tasks such as cooking being taken care of, athletes running in the corporate teams reportedly receive a salary of US $35,000 per year and upwards each, depending on performance and their stature within the sport, there are plenty of high performers on six-figure salaries. There are around 60 corporate teams in Japan, 30 for men and 30 for women. With rosters of around 20 athletes, this means that there are around 1,200 full-time paid elite athletes supported by corporate Ekaden teams alone. Add to this the upcoming runners who are logging phenomenal times while still competing for their university, as well as athletes competing independently at a very high level, and it's clear how Japan has such depth. This level of support and the fact that these athletes are treated as stars within the company also goes a long way to explaining the depth of talent. Talented young runners in many Western countries who are just off the level of performance required for athletes, athletics to sustain them financially struggle to balance training demands with employment. Here in Japan, there are so many positions within these large corporations where runners are paid to train and compete for their employer, and they often go onto sustained employment with that same corporation after their running prowess has faded. This means that there is far less attrition of the talent pool, which stays relatively larger than in many countries, as the runners can focus on their chosen sport full-time. The People's Runner Despite the extensive infrastructure to support a large number of professional runners, what the Japanese particularly covey are the true amateur runners. Examples are abundant but by far the most prominent, at least until recently, of the citizen athletes, those who compete at an elite level whilst maintaining their day job, is Yuki Kawiachi. Known as the People's Runner, Yuki was self-coached and worked a 9-to-5 as a school clerk. For a long time, he was renowned for using races as his training, rejecting potentially lucrative corporate sponsorships and reportedly spending a quarter of his salary on his marathon hobby. This was the case until last year, when he gave up as his amateur status and moved on to pursuing running professionally at the age of 32. Yuki won the 2018 Boston Marathon in some of the harshest race conditions on record. He also has a whimsical flair that pleases fans. Three weeks prior to victory in Boston, he ran a half marathon in his local town wearing a panda suit. He ran 106.42 at the same race two years prior, attired in a Draper business suit to set an unofficial record. His race schedule is unprecedented. He has run 64 marathons under 2.15, and an astounding 96 marathons under 2.20. It's not only Yuki's eccentric approach to racing and training that sets him apart from the compatriots, even his physiology deviates him from the norm. Yuki has a VO2 max far superior to most Japanese athletes. His reported 82 milliliters per minute per kilo in 2018 puts him right up there with top endurance athletes the world over. 
Mikhail Matson, a Stanford-based researcher from Sweden who is leading a study of international endurance athletes, told the New York Times that it's almost impossible to find Japanese athletes with a VO2 max above 75. Masaki Sugita, chairman of the Science Committee of the Japanese Athletics Federation, says that top Japanese runners tend to compensate for relatively low VO2 max levels with high running economy. Sugita says that Yuki's running economy is unremarkable. However, his determination and willingness to suffer, exhibited by the grimace so commonly painted across his face in the later parts of races, along with an approach to running that is simultaneously capricious and painstakingly calculated, are what set him apart. A Runner's Paradise Lured in not only by the dazzling depth of Japanese elite runners, during our research prior to landing in Tokyo, we repeatedly read about the city being a runner's paradise. However, once on the ground, it became apparent that the main areas where the athletes trained were not quite what we had hoped for. I guess this comes down to personal preference and having spent time in Africa where athletes tend to avoid asphalt and concrete when possible, which is nearly always. We based ourselves near Yoyogi Park, renowned as a hub for athletes. To get to the park, we had to run about a mile through a highly populated urban space, navigating traffic and pedestrians. The park itself has three main loops, a roughly 1.2km concrete circle in the middle, a larger loop outside that is around 2.5km, and a dirt trail that follows the perimeter of the park and comes in around 3km. There's also an athletics track. To get in the miles that come with training for a marathon, this meant lots and lots of loops. Another main training loop we heard about was the paths that go around the Imperial Palace, close to downtown Tokyo. However, again, this was busy with pedestrian traffic and was all on concrete. The loop is about 5km around. Upon reflection, it became obvious that the real reason Tokyo can be placed upon a pedestal as a runner's paradise is the concentration of talent in such a small space. The fact that within a 30km radius there would be hundreds of guys who can run sub 215 for a marathon or sub 63 half. For anyone who wants to run fast, there are multitudes of strong athletes and groups to train with. Need a race to test yourself out? There's meets most weekends where a huge number of runners are running fast times. It's no wonder there are so many juniors coming through the ranks that are running astonishing times. A running besotted nation. The prominence of long distance running in Japan means that many of those fans who so avidly follow the elites also run for recreation. According to Finn, the first boom in marathon popularity came after World War II. Finn said, Marathon running was seen as a worthy and admirable pursuit, embodying the discipline, effort and commitment the country valued and needed to get back on its feet after the devastation of the war. However, the numbers of amateur recreational runners have been increasing rapidly in past decades. Between 2005 to 2010, the number of Japanese people running a marathon increased from around 100,000 to nearly 600,000. 322,000 athletes applied for the Tokyo Marathon in 2017, while only 35,000 were allowed to run. This huge jump in demand has seen more marathons popping up all over the country, many races seeing tens of thousands of runners towing the line. Young women are the demographic which has seen the largest increase in participation in the past decade. This is no surprise given that Japanese women have been performing well internationally, taking consecutive golds in the marathon at both the Sydney and Athens Olympic Games.
With the Tokyo Olympics around the corner, which since writing this article has been postponed till mid-2021, there's even more reason for the people of Japan to be interested in long-distance running. The Marathon Grand Championship qualification structure that the Athletes' Federation of Japan created generated even more interest and drama. Three men and three women have qualified to take on the world's best through the streets of Sapporo. The odds are somewhat long, but the hometown advantage will definitely be a factor and could see them rise to the occasion. Spending time in Japan was an amazing way to gain insight to the ways that a relatively small nation can generate so much talent. The passion of these we met was profound, generated by a rich history in the sport and a system that is set up in such a way that maximizes the talent that is extracted from the available pool of raw materials, setting an example that many other nations can learn from. Okay, I hope you enjoyed the two-part article series, The Perplexing Depth of Talent in Japanese Running. Now on to the third article, titled Training with Tokai University, Ekaden Winning Team. The Odaku Rapid Express took us through drab suburbs on the outskirts of the city, heading southwest towards Kanagawa Prefecture. A grey sky hung heavy over blocks and blocks of uninspiring grey apartments, neon kanji signs providing an occasional splash of colour. We disembarked at Tokai Dayaku Mei Station and made our way through the streets towards campus. Winding through the back streets of the town, we eventually made our way to Tokai University, renowned for having one of the strongest athletics teams in the country. The campus was nice, neat. It's currently winter break for Japanese university students, but as we traversed campus on this quiet Saturday afternoon, there were still quite a number of students using facilities. The bright blue tartan jumped out at us as we surveyed the southern half of the campus from up on the hill. Waiting for us on the far side of the track was Noriaki Nishide, assistant coach of the squad. He was cheerful and friendly, but it was clear that he took each session very seriously. Before we left Tokyo that morning, Noriaki warned us that due to the coronavirus, he would have to ask us from refraining from getting close to the athletes. He didn't want to imperil the team. We could observe the session and take photos, but the interview was to be with him and not the athletes. Coronavirus has had more of an effect on Japan than you would expect based on the case count, which at this point remained low. 230 cases believe the impact the threat of the virus has had. Tokyo Marathon cancelled, Disneyland closed, schools locked down, and for Tokai, the half marathon championships they were meant to compete in next week has been called off. Noriaki takes us over to a building off to the side of the track. As we approach the group, we ask Noriaki about whether he is still running. He bashfully laughs and says that he only jogs these days, but he turns his gaze towards coach Morozumi and tells us that the 54-year-old recently ran a 35-minute 10km. Impressive. Athletes are stretching and doing mobility exercises together under the attentive supervision of head coach Hayashi Morozumi. A number of athletes doing some rehab exercises and clearly aren't running the session. Injured, Noriaki sweeps his hand across the group. The Japanese surface is road. It's tough on the athletes. Many injuries. A mask obscures his face, but kind brown eyes grin at us as we approach. Noriaki introduces us, and coach introduces himself as Moro. Noriaki tells us that the recent cancellation of the upcoming race has meant that today's session has been altered. More of a focus on speed, getting the group back into some work oriented towards the track before they have a week off to go home and see their families. I ask whether they have a long period each year where they take a break from training. 
Noriaki immediately replies with a drawn-out, Uh, no, and a big chuckle. All season. Moro interjects, Nothing off, no rest, Noriaki concludes. The men both seem to find the question to be quite funny. Noriaki is a wealth of knowledge. He tells us all about the team's training and some of the camps they have recently been on. Just back from Flagstaff, USA, we've caught him in the brief interlude before he travels to Okinawa with some of the group's middle-distance athletes. The athletes we are watching are mainly focused on the Ekaden and longer distances. A number of the group, some yet to reach 20, have run sub-63 for the half marathon. The talent in the group is deep. This is one of the top university squads in Japan. They won Hakone Ekaden last year, the crown jewel in Japanese athletics. This year, they were narrowly knocked off the throne by Aoyama Gakuin University, a team that have won each year since 2015, bar Tokai's 2019 victory. This year, both teams ran under the record pace, with Aoyama Gakuin finishing the 217.9km course in 10 hours, 45 minutes and 23 seconds. This year's edition of Hakone Ekaden saw a veritable massacre of previous records, with 7 of 10 segment records being rewritten. A standout among these was Vincent Yigon's Tokyo International University 59.25 for the 21.4km fourth leg of the relay. The 19-year-old ran through the half marathon in 58.35. The group does two hard workouts per week, Wednesday and Saturday, mainly track, sometimes road. They do an easy run and a gym session on the morning of their workout days before completing the evening session. Thursday, rest. Sunday, long run. He guesses they average around 160 kilometers per week. For those working in miles, that's around 100 miles per week. The athletes trip down to singlet and shorts. Next percents adorn the feet of all but a few athletes and we follow the fluorescent queue of feet out onto the track. There are a number of students at the infield next to the start line wearing Tokai tracksuits but evidently not running. Noriaki says they're the team assistants. The half dozen assistants are gathered around a cooler box and a small whiteboard. The athletes join them and form a circle, leaving a gap for the two coaches to make their address. After attentively listening to both coaches speak, a collective bow by the students indicates the session is about to start. Five by one mile repeats, followed by five two hundreds. Jogging a lap between each rep, Noriaki explains that he and Coach Morrow asked the athletes to keep it very steady, making sure the pace was constant. Now that the half marathon is cancelled, this is the squad's first track-oriented session for the season. He said he wanted them to ease into it. The whiteboard shows the requisite paces for each of the three groups into which the squad splits. The A group was designated a pace of 2.52 to 2.55 minutes per kilometre, which is about 4.36 to 4.40 through the mile. The C group was around 3 minutes per kilometre, 4.48 for the mile. Like I said, the talent in this group is deep. Three groups assembled, taking off at regular intervals. Coach Morrow and Coach Noriaki attentively followed each group's progress around the track. Two assistants were at the start line giving splits. This seemed kind of unnecessary as the groups adhered flawlessly to the pace. Other assistants were taking photos. Some waited on the side chatting, waiting for, to fulfil their roles later in the session. Coach Morrow and Coach Noriaki separated, each providing encouragement and advice each time a group passed. The athletes were in perfect single file, sticking together well. No gaps opened up. They moved in unison. 
As the session progressed, the whole operation became even more impressive. The pace was right on, every time, and the group seemed to be doing it easy. The expression of some of the athletes began to indicate that their level of exertion was creeping upward as they got into the fourth and then the final mile repeats, but some seemed to barely even be puffing. One athlete in particular caught our attention. He was really cruising. We inquired with Coach Noriaki, the baby-faced boy with the floppy hair that was floating around the track. Satiko Matsukazi, only 19 years old and he's already logged a half marathon in 62.11. He pointed out a couple of others that were clearly doing it pretty easy. One who had recently run 131 for 30 kilometers, going right up against the field of older, more accomplished athletes competing for corporate teams. Miles concluded, night had fallen by this point and the temperature had dropped right off. The assistants passed around drinks, a couple athletes changed shoes, but most remained in their next percents. After a quick break, the group started jogging off to start their 200 meter repeats. These 200 repeats ran just as flawlessly. The groups file in. Assistants distributed pre-packaged protein drinks. Coach Morrow and Coach Noriaki gave a short talk to the athletes, congregated yet again in a large circle. A deep bow yet again concludes the proceedings. We had a quick chat with Coach Noriaki and Coach Morrow after the session, thanking them for allowing us to observe and for sharing so much. They invited us back for another session once the athletes are back on campus. After such a fascinating exhibition here, the upcoming season is really something we'll look forward to. We'll keep you posted. Thanks for joining us on this week's Sweat Elite podcast episode, where we shared some of the most popular articles on the Sweat Elite website, read aloud. We plan on doing the same roughly every fourth or fifth episode moving forward. And if you enjoyed these articles, we hope you consider subscribing to Sweat Elite to access all content. You can find more information about that at the show notes of your podcast player. Next week, we have legendary trail runner, sky runner, Kilian Jornet. Join the Sweat Elite podcast, and we look forward to sharing our conversation with Kilian with you on next week's episode of the Sweat Elite podcast. Mm-hmm.